I am the aforementioned uh, Dave Mitchell. It's good to be with you on this uh, great Sunday. This morning, we're continuing a series on the followers of Jesus Christ, and we've been looking at some of the disciples and other men uh, as well that have been part of that journey, like John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, and some of the ups and downs of his life. This morning, we're going to take a little bit unique uh, adventure into a uh, follower that we don't often think of when we think about the followers, and it's the leper. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 17. This is a message about a spirit of thanksgiving and gratitude. And um, while I obviously do not know where you're at in that, I know that I need this message. Let me explain why. This last uh, Monday, I was over here talking to Randy Harris in the bookstore area. And as we were talking, we heard this huge explosion. And so we walked outside trying to figure out, what was this? Does somebody have a gun? Is there a bomb? What's going on? And we couldn't see anything, couldn't figure out anything until I went back inside into the worship center. Then I discovered that our worship center, half of this building's power was out. It was dead. My office was dead, and this half of the building was completely dead. And so we're trying to figure out, we, I say we like I was running around doing that. Uh, And so some people started running around like Gordon to try to figure out where was the problem. And uh, so finally called Edison because we couldn't figure out how to get the power back on in in this building. And so Edison came out and they, I was hoping it was their problem, not our problem. Uh, So they looked at all the transformers and couldn't find any problem. And uh, then one of the Edison guys said, I think that I know what it is. And so he used his experience of his past and went over to some pole over here, and he says, I think it's a squirrel. And lo and behold, he found a fried squirrel that had chewed a wire, and somehow he had short-circuited the power to this building that completely shut it down. Thank you, little squirrel, as cute as they are. And so that was discomforting, and then it only got worse because then we realized there are certain things that don't work in this building anymore and uh, discovered that the elevator will not go up and down that's over here and then we had somebody come and examine it and discovered that the motor is fried and so that's going to cost us ten thousand dollars to replace that motor and then when we did our restoration project for the various uh, nurseries on the other side and some of the modifications of this building and uh, just improving it, uh, we had added a new uh, security system for fire. So uh, the city required that. So it wasn't just noise. Now you had to have lights and you had flashing signs and, and uh, all kinds of other things to make everybody know that there's a fire in the building. Well, that brand new system that we just put in this last year, the panels that control it were fried as well. And so that's another $10,000 to replace those two panels. And so right now we're at $20,000. We discovered that this projector now doesn't work this morning. And uh, the air conditioning doesn't seem to be working in the uh, choir room over there. And so we are uh, continuing to accumulate the costs of that little furry squirrel. And so fortunately I was able to save the remains and we're having a little brunch right after church. And so I thought we might as well get the, uh, get the benefits of fried squirrel before we all go home today and really chew that thing to bits. No, we didn't. We gave it a private burial and sent it on its way. 
And so that really didn't start my week off very well because I don't like the idea of spending a lot of time chasing down electricity like I was doing it. And uh, also, then I just sent a letter out this week for year-end giving that we to totally normally do. And the challenge is always big in December. But I put a number on there as to how much we need in December. Just increase that by $20,000. <laughs> then yesterday, uh, a few guys and I went to uh, the Long Beach uh, Motorcycle Show. Do you know that it's going on in Long Beach today? And, or yesterday? And so we went down, we looked at all the motorcycles and, and lusted and all that kind of stuff of all the new bikes and all the pretty things you can buy to put on it and the jackets and the coats and the helmets and all that jazz. So about, uh, I don't know, 3.30, we went out, we're ready to go home. I get on my motorcycle, and it won't start. The starter turns, but it doesn't turn the gears. And I said, well, no problem. I've got hog insurance. You know, hog insurance. It's roadside assistance. They'll come and pick it up, I'm sure, because I've paid them good money for this insurance for a time such as this. So I called them. I said, they got a tow truck on the way. You guys can go. So the guys left. So I sat there for another hour, and then they called me back and said, I'm sorry, the tow truck has canceled its pickup. I said, well, can you get another tow truck? Well, we'll work on it. And so I'm sitting there for an hour and a half in the parking lot of the beautiful Long Beach Convention Center yesterday afternoon, and it got darker and darker because it gets dark at 5, and so I'm sitting there for two and a half hours waiting for a tow truck that never came. And as I am waiting there, our dear friend Dave Herring texted me. He says, I have a trailer. Can I come and pick you up? Now, usually you say, no, I got it covered. But I was man enough to realize I'm needy. I'm needy right now. And so I said, yeah, they just canceled the tow truck. I can't get the other tow truck to come. And besides, the Harley dealer's closed, and they're going to store it somewhere, and I don't even know where that is. So Dave came and picked me up, and he didn't know. Dave didn't know that when he became chairman of the Board of Elders that he was required to come and be my chauffeur for all of my personal needs. And so that's how my day and how my bike is, is uh, defunct, and it'll probably be another $20,000 to fix it as well. <laughs> so that year in giving, make it 40000 extra. No, I don't take anything for that. But uh, so the week began and ended with, you know, these annoying things. I know for a lot of you, you would say, I wish... That was all that I had to worry about. And admittedly, there are any number of us in this room who have struggles and hardships and challenges of life that really makes us not feel very thankful. And so I want us to be able to look at it through this lens that, that God has placed into our lives a story of a leper. Lepers are not necessarily the most thankful people in the world. <laughs> have leprosy is not some reason to give thanks to God. But what Jesus did for this poor leper, he wants to do for us. So I'm going to invite you to go into this story with me. I want to read through the story. I want to talk about the story a little bit and then bring the practical application for what Jesus wants for us today. There is an outline that is available that you will probably find that helpful when you get into the application part of it. There's some digging deeper on the back side that gives some more detail about things that we won't explore this morning. But in Luke chapter 17, Jesus is on a journey. And in Luke chapter 17, we ver read about this story of Jesus' encounter with ten lepers. And it begins in verse 11. Let me explain through the text a little bit. 
and I encourage you to have your Bibles in hand. There's a Bible in the chair rack in front of you. You don't have your own Bible, and that Bible can be your Bible if you would like to have a Bible to take home today. Luke chapter 17, verse 11 is this. While he, that would be Jesus, was on his way to Jerusalem, he was passing between Samaria and Galilee. And the map you can see where that is. It's the northern part of Israel. Galilee, the Sea of Galilee is up there. That's a region of Galilee. And then he's coming to this area that we call Samaria. They called Samaria in those days. And uh, so it was an area that typically the Jews would not want to pass through. But it was the area that Jesus was in. So that's the border that Jesus was uh, traveling in. He was on his way to Jerusalem because he's on his way to Jerusalem for what we now call Palm Sunday and then, of course, the following week, the crucifixion. This is his final journey back into Jerusalem to be arrested and crucified. So he's on his way to the cross, literally. And it says in verse 12, And as he entered a village, ten leprous men who stood at a distance met him. So these men, they stood at a distance because, according to Leviticus and other Old Testament passages, you're not allowed to approach people. Lepers are to be uh, held at a great distance. For example, if somebody that you know had active virus of Ebola, you would not want to come near them because of the contagious condition. That is what people were treating lepers as, like Ebola patients. These lepers had to stay at a distance, so they stood at a distance from Jesus, but they raised their voices. They shouted as loud as they could, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. It's fascinating. These ten lepers, they knew who Christ was. They knew His power. They've heard about His power. And so they're claiming, Jesus, You are the Master. That word Master means authority. You are the one who has dominion over this world. We've seen evidence of that. We know that You can take care of these problems. So they raise their voice and says, simply have mercy on us. And clearly the implication is we've got leprosy. We don't want to have leprosy anymore. We don't want to live our lives this way anymore. And so they raised up their voice to chant that to Jesus. And when He saw them, He said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they were going, they were cleansed. He said, go to the priest because the priest has to verify that you no longer have leprosy. That is according to the Old Testament law. Once the priest declares you have no leprosy, then you are welcome into all of society and to engage with everybody that you would like to engage with. And so they are on their way and they are being healed. Now one of them, one of the ten, this is the contrast that now picks up. Only one of them, when he saw that he had been healed, turned back, glorifying God with a loud voice. The other nine went on their way. But he fell on his face at his feet. Notice how he now comes close to Christ, having been healed. He draws near to the man, the God who has saved him from his leprosy. He gives thanks to him. And he was a Samaritan. Now, why is that significant? Luke suddenly throws that in. Oh, by the way, he was a Samaritan. Samaritans were what uh, in some parlance you would call a half-breed. They are half-Jewish, half-Gentile. This began way back 6700 B.C., 2600, 2,600 years ago. The, the Assyrians came from what we call Iran, Iraq. They came, they took over the nation of Israel, the ten northern tribes. And then when the Assyrians came into the ten northern tribes, these Assyrians then formed relationships with the Jewish people, and they intermarried together. So the Assyrians married the Jews. And once the Assyrians married the Jews, they became the Samaritans. They became this uh, uh, group of people that no Jew wanted to have anything to do with. So this leper was a Samaritan. He had two strikes against him in a Jewish land. 
being leper, being Samaritan, an outcast to the ultimate. That, that is the, the distinction of this one man. And Luke says this man was the one that was healed. The other nine presumably were Jewish, but only this one, the outcast, came back and gave thanks to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But the nine, where are they? Was no one found who remained to give glory to God except this foreigner? Sort of a little bit of a put-down. This outcast, this Samaritan. Where are the Jews? I am Jewish, Jesus. Where are the other Jews? And he said, stand up, go, your faith has made you well. There's a bigger story that's taking place here, and it's this. Jesus came to heal these ten lepers. The Samaritan returned to give thanks. The other nine Jewish, they left, did not give thanks. What was going on in the bigger story is this, that Jesus is the Messiah. He came to save the nation of Israel. These other nine lepers who did not come to give thanks are symbolic of what the nation of Israel was treating Jesus. As someone who says, yeah, feed me 5,000. Remember the feeding of the 5,000? Raise Lazarus from the dead. Do lots of miracles. We love the miracles. We love the little stuff you're doing for us, Jesus. But we're not going to come and bow down to you and worship you as God. We simply want the little trinkets that you can give us, the little tricks, the little healings, the little uh, extra money, all these things we would love to have, but we're not going to bow down to you. So the nation of Israel, symbolizing these other nine, are refusing to submit to Christ as Messiah. But it's only the Samaritan, the foreigner, the one who is rejected by society that actually comes back. And Jesus is indicating it's those that you least expect. It is the least of us, as he said later in, in Matthew. It's the least of us. Those who are the servants of others in this upside-down economy that God is trying to build, it's the people you least expect who are those who are most worthy of worshiping Jesus. Not the high and mighty who get all their favors, but those who are the least of us. And so Christ has given to us this great story that really outlines the, the attitude that He wants to develop in all of us. And so let's look at this. How do we develop an attitude of this gratitude, and I hate that little phrase because it sounds so cliched, but how do we have this thankful attitude, this thankful attitude to Jesus, even when we're in the midst of some very difficult circumstances that God has? First thing that I notice that comes out of this text that is a teaching point for us to have this thankful attitude regardless of our situation is to be hopeful followers. We need to have this sense of hope. Notice what Jesus is indicating here. Jesus hears us. He heard the ten cry out from a distance, they kept their distance. They go according to Old Testament law. But He can provide grace and healing for our needs. Jesus will choose to do, to do that. To have a sense that Christ is hearing my cries. I put in there Psalms 3 and 4. I'm not going to get into it. But I encourage you to read Psalms 3 and 4. They are a morning prayer. They are an evening prayer. And they are prayers that say, God, hear my prayer. Hear my voice. When the ten lepers came and they yelled out to God with no merit on their own, they said, have mercy on us. They had no reason for... Jesus had no reason to heal them. They're just ten lepers rejected by society, the lowest of the low. 
If Jesus will hear the prayers of ten lowly lepers, how much more those of us in this room right now, when we call upon Him and that God's grace and healing touch can be ours. That's hopeful. I live with the hope that Christ does hear my prayers. Secondly, I need to be a trusting follower of Jesus Christ. Jesus offers compassion and mercy based on even the smallest expressions of faith. You notice in the passage this, and when he saw them, he said to them, Jesus said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. They were not healed immediately. They took one step toward the priest. They began the journey to go to the priest so the priest could declare that they are healed. It was only in their going to the priest that they were healed. If they stood there and says, no, heal me first before I go to the priest, because I don't know whether you're going to heal me or not. I don't trust you. I don't want to try to travel to the priest and hope that I'll be healed then. I want to be healed now. Jesus would not have healed them. He healed them because they went by faith to go to the priest. And that's small faith. That's why in the previous section, every passage has a context that is greater than helps us to understand it. In Luke chapter 17, verse 6, he had just been giving this lesson. It says in verse 5, actually, the apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had the faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Jesus just talked about in Luke 17, prior to this leprosy healing, that all I'm looking for is the mustard seed of faith. I'm just looking for that little step. As Tim just talked about, my belief in Jesus Christ, I need to go from A to B to C to D. I just need to take those little steps of faith, trusting that God is on my side, that God is hearing my prayer, that God's grace is available for me, that even if I feel like a leper on the outcast of society, even if I feel that nobody else really cares about me, that I take that little step of faith that says, Lord, I'm going to trust you in this. That you're going to be my God. You're going to come and touch my body. You're going to touch my heart. You're going to bring the healing that I need. That God, if I just take that step that goes towards the direction you call me into, as he told them to go to the priest, they took that step. And in taking that step, they experienced the grace and the healing power of Jesus Christ. When you and I take steps that are ordered by God, that are directed by God, that are according to His Word, that fulfill His will. When you and I take those steps, that little bit of faith is enough for the power of Christ to touch us in the areas of our needs. That's the beauty of the story. All He's waiting for is that mustard seed of faith, of response to that which I do know. There's a lot I don't know, but that which I do know, I'm going to walk in obedience to that. Because Jesus responds to that kind of faith. I don't have to have the faith of Billy Graham. I just need to have the little tiny faith of a little infant that we just saw up here that simply trusts that as I lay on the arms of one who loves me, I will be provided for. That's the faith that Jesus is looking for. So I need to have this, this spirit of trusting faith as a follower, a hopeful faith as a follower. And then they need to have a thankful faith as a follower. This is where the thanks comes in. Thanks comes because I turn to Christ regardless of my need and my circumstance. It's, it's really easy to, to look at all the, the negative things that are going on. It is so, so easy to do that. 
to be sort of consumed with sort of the nitty-gritty of those things we don't like, but not trust that God is going to eventually help to reveal something better. I want to see a little video here that tells the stories of some individuals that began to catch on to the beauty of what it means to be a thankful person as God blesses them. So let's take a look and listen. Lord, cure us of our addiction, waiting for the next season of life to think we're good enough, waiting for the next number on the scale to say we're okay enough, waiting for the next dream. the next house, the next step up, the next bend in the road that finally makes us feel we've arrived at contentment. Forgive us, Lord, for our waiting room addiction. Addicted to always thinking we're in a waiting room. Counting down the days till we enter real life. When real life is happening right now. And you are the one waiting for us to give you thanks for the miracle of now. Wake us up out of our waiting room addiction. I'm 25 days thankful for our baby's laughter. I'm 15 days thankful that who I am is enough. And cure us with thanksgiving. I'm three months thankful for where I'm living right now. I'm 45 days thankful for my life now. Show us how we have room in our lives to give you thanks right now. I'm three weeks thankful that I have a job to provide for my family. I'm one day thankful for the gift of now. It's a choice that we make to become thankful. I was reading this last week. The pastor that I used to follow, he'd write a lot. He's written a number of books. Has a very large church, had a very large church in the northern part of our country. And uh, well known. His name is Ed Dobson. Ed Dobson was preaching to just thousands and thousands in his church. And then God somehow in his divine order allowed him to get Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. And he then wrote about that experience of how Lou Gehrig's disease, it just totally robs your body of capacity to function until you eventually are snuffed out because the body shuts down. This is what he wrote. There are many things for which I am not grateful. I can no longer button the buttons on my shirt. I can no longer put on a heavy jacket. I can no longer raise my right hand above my head. I can no longer write. I can no longer eat with my right hand. I eat with my left hand, and now even that is becoming a challenge. And over time, all these challenges will get worse and worse. So what in the world do I have to be grateful for? So much, he writes. Lord, thank you for waking me up this morning. Lord, thank you that I can turn over in my bed. Lord, thank you that I can still get out of bed. Lord, thank you that I can walk to the bathroom. 
Lord, thank you that I can still brush my teeth. Lord, thank you that I can still eat breakfast. Lord, thank you that I can still dress myself. Lord, thank you that I can still drive my car. Lord, thank you that I can still walk. Lord, thank you that I can still talk. And the list goes on and on. I've learned in my journey with ALS to focus on what I can do, not what I can't do. I have learned to be grateful for the small things in my life and for the many things that I can still do. It's a collective decision. And the reason that decision is so powerful, I read a a number of studies this last week on a grateful attitude, and if you received the email that I send out each week, um, read that if you haven't had a chance. A study was done of 100 undergraduate college students, and they divided up into three groups. The first group were required to write down one blessing every day that they were thankful for. The second group was to write down one annoyance every day that really bothered them. And the third group was just to write down something that happened that had neither positive nor negative in it. And after the study was completed, they discovered that the third of the group that wrote down one blessing every day had less health problems, had a happier life, and they were feeling more prosperous about their future. The group that wrote down one annoying thing every day and sort of focused on that had more health problems, less happiness, and greater sense of depression. And there's just something the way God has built us to have what the attitude is that this leper had, that he had a thankful spirit for what God had done. Now, obviously, if you're healed of leprosy, you're going to be thankful for that. We would all be thankful for that. But it's the spirit of his attitude that the other nine did not have that makes you wonder, well, wait a second. If the other nine did not give thanks to Jesus, and they were healed just like he was, Jesus didn't take back the the, the healing. He didn't give them leprosy again. They all ten had the same healing, but only one was grateful then is it possible for me to be like the other nine where God is blessing me and giving me blessings, doing good things? Is it possible that I'm part of the nine who are still focused on that that I don't want, that which Jesus wants of me and that which I don't want to follow? And he says, but there is the one who out out of the ten gave thanks to Jesus. Why did he do that? Notice three things that happens in this man's life that can happen in our lives that allows us to have a thankful spirit and not be like the other nine. For example, here's the first thing that he did. That follower turned back to Christ regardless of our problems. We need to turn back. I love this, the way Luke writes this. He says there in, in 15, 17, 18, but this one verse, now one of them, one of the nine, one of the ten, when he saw that he had been healed, he turned back and he was a Samaritan. Luke uses this wonderful little phrase, turn back. And so I researched that a little bit and found out that this is a term that at its root cause means to have a spiritual conversion. You see this word turn back here in uh, Matthew 18.3. Jesus said, truly I say to you, unless you are converted. That's the same word for turn back. And become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. To convert, to change my heart, to change my spiritual direction. The word turn back is also used in Acts 3.19. Therefore, repent and return. Repentance is turning from the direction I was going, turning to God. It is a 180 degree 
new direction that my heart begins to have. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. This particular one leper out of the ten turned back. He had the spiritual change of direction. His heart softened. He called Jesus Master, but now there is something that is happening that we don't fully understand in his heart where there is a spiritual transition that is taking place that goes beyond just the body that has been healed of leprosy to the heart that is now humbling itself to the Messiah. And the other nine never had that sense about Christ. The other nine, a non-follower ignores Christ unless he needs help. That's the other nine. They're healed. Their little mustard seed of faith allowed the leprosy to be removed. But they couldn't be bothered because they only, the non-follower of Jesus, the non-follower only says, uh, Jesus, got a problem, help me out. Once you help me out, I'm on my way. I've got other things to take care of. That's the non-follower. That's the contrast. The one with the gratitude of thankful heart spiritually turns to Jesus. The other nine, the reason that we can have many blessings from God but never turn to Jesus, the other nine says, you know, Jesus, I'll get back to you the next time I have a problem, but that's probably the next time you'll ever hear from me. And if things kind of go okay, you probably will not hear from me. That's the other nine. The second thing I noticed about this follower, his heart was broken in open selfless worship and glorification of Christ. He didn't care who was around. He didn't care who saw what he did. It says in verse 15, glorifying God with a loud voice, everybody heard the Samaritan leper shouting out praise to God. And he fell on his face at his feet. He bowed in this humble adoration. I mean, he just, he just had no concern for what anybody else thought. He just bowed himself at total humble worship and glorification of Christ, giving thanks to him. The heart of a thankful follower of Jesus is broken. It is shattered of its own self-examination that is worried about what others think. The heart of a truly thankful follower says, I I don't care what the world says. I don't care what culture says. I don't care what society says. I know who my Lord is. And I make Him known. And I make it known that I am His humble worshiper. And I'll shout it as loud as I can. In order to not be the other nine, a non-follower like the other nine feels no need to turn from his own life and schedule to thank Jesus. Non-followers are just too busy. Non-followers, they they love that Jesus does nice little things for me and I I call Him every time I have a need and every time I have a need it seems like Jesus shows up but then I don't want to be bothered by Jesus and all the other stuff that Jesus wants from me. The non-follower says, you know what, Lord, I'm on my way. I'm thankful for what You have done for me but now I'm pretty busy with my own schedule. I can't stop my schedule, my life, to turn back to you to give you loud worship. I can't do that. I'm too busy. I've got the other night. They just had to get on with their lives. They had to get the priest, let the priest declare them healed so they can kind of get on and get a job and make money and, and just uh, return to what seemingly is a normal way of life. No, the, the one thankful follower said, I will stop everything so that I can now with a loud voice, my heart broken, worship you.
and proclaim to you the glory because no one else can do for me what you did. That's the distinction compared to a non-follower that is just too busy to stop and give thanks to Jesus. Then finally, this follower that gave thanks to the Lord, he seeks Christ and his experiences for his deepest spiritual needs. This is what I love about this passage. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, Stand up and go. Your faith has made you well. What he's talking about here is something that goes beyond well like you're no longer a leper. When Jesus says this to him, he is speaking about his salvation. He's talking about his spiritual condition. He's talking about the heart and the soul of his life. He says, because Jesus, because you turned back, because you humbled yourself in adoration and worship, because your heart is now broken, I heal you on the inside. I take that broken heart of yours and I repackage it. I mend it. I create something new. I change you. The thankful follower says, I need more than physical healing. I need more than financial healing. I need more than relationship healing. I need a healing relationship with God. I need Christ to heal my broken heart with Him. And that's what Jesus gave him. A thankful follower recognizes that the deepest needs of my heart are those that Jesus can fix. Science might be able to fix my body, but only Jesus fixes my heart. And that thankful follower saw that. Contrast that with the other nine. The other nine non-followers are only interested in his or her superficial felt needs. God, as long as you take care of my body, my finances, my job, my mortgage... Fix the starter on my Harley. Boy, God, I'll, I'll love you like crazy. If you fry every squirrel before they chew up the wire around them, I'll thank you like crazy, Lord, that you take care of all that stuff because I got things to be taken care of in my own life. The non-thankful follower, the non-thankful follower, we're, we're too consumed, those nine, too consumed with the superficial felt needs. Just fix all my problems. And then I'll get back to you, Lord, next time I need you the thankful follower, the one, the minority, just 10%, just the one, said, Lord, it's my heart. I turn to you, and now you touch me in my heart, the deepest of all my needs. That is what Jesus invites us into. It's that life that Christ invites us into. Jesus goes on, we're not going to go into it, but the last section, I love this last section, some other time we'll talk about it. But as a faithful follower is prepared for Christ's return, he goes into last times thinking. He goes into what we call eschatology, the end times, the new kingdom that Jesus wants to establish. And so he takes this mustard seed of faith and he takes this, this ten lepers and only one gets it. The only one receives it. All of them are touched by Jesus, but only one returns with a thankful heart and a spirit of gratitude. And Jesus wants us to have that kind of thankful heart. I, I sent out a, an email to our life group this week. And I said one of the things we want to talk about in our life group tonight with our group is what is one thing that you can give thanks to God for? How, how can we rise above the other nine? How can we... I don't want us to be like the other nine. The other nine, yeah, you took care of this little need of my life. I want it to go to the heart. 
I want my heart to change. I don't want just my body to change. One of our life group folks that gave me permission to read, Blaine Molesbury, Blaine is uh, in the battle with Parkinson's disease. Parkinson's is a tough disease. And some of you have, I've had, my dad had Parkinson's and others of you have experienced that. I love what Blaine writes back. He says, hi, pastor. My voice may not allow me to say the following Sunday evening, but after three years of doubting, I can thank God for Parkinson's. I knew it was part of his plan for my life, but I couldn't understand how he could use me with it. I had to stop. Several ministries that made me question if this was really his plan. Now I see that he is using me with it. I am now thankful that he will use even Parkinson's to glorify himself through me. That's the one. That's the one leper. That's the heart. Where I would love to have leprosy healed. I'd love to have Parkinson's healed. I'd love to have ALS healed. I'd love to have all those diseases healed. But what Jesus came is not to heal every body. Jesus came to heal every heart. And for those of us who are like the one 10% who turn back, Jesus invites you into his life. It takes the mustard seed of faith to heal a leper, but it takes that saving faith to heal a heart. And that saving faith says, Lord, I turn back to you. I humble my heart before you. And I acknowledge my deeper spiritual need that I trust you for. Heal my heart. Heal my heart. I'd like for us to close this time by inviting you to enter into the the one leper's life. And what I would like for you to do is this. And I don't want to put, if you're new here, oh no, here goes something uncomfortable and I don't want to have to do this. But I would simply invite you to begin this journey and ask and answer this question. Would you turn to somebody that looks pretty friendly next to you, which I hope is everybody, And can you tell them one thing that you're thankful for that God has done in your life? Let's begin the thankful attitude. Let's, let's go into the one leper. I don't want to be like the nine. I want to be like the one. Would you enter into that world and turn to a neighbor and give enough time? You know, it's easy for one to sort of dominate and the other sort of listens and nods and never has time. You know, people like that. Well, would you both take time to give thanks One thing God has done, share it and give thanks to God. And I'll close this in a word of prayer. So just a couple of minutes now. We've got a couple of minutes. Would you give thanks to the neighbor? Let me, I know you could go on and on and on. I just wanted you to get us into the flavor of the one leper. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray God's blessing upon us that we would be like that one leper as we go into Thanksgiving and Christmas. We're going to have a lot of negative stuff that's going to make us want to be really annoyed. But when we turn to Christ, 
We see his loving hand, his healing power, his gracious spirit. And we worship him. What a great experience. And now that you have told your neighbors one thing that you're thankful for, you are all a healthier group of people. Science tells us that, so does Scripture. You're going to live longer simply for that last one little little minute. You're welcome. And so we're glad to be there. Let me pray for us. We're going to receive our offering. Offering is an opportunity to say, Thank you, Lord. All that I have you own, and out of that I give. And I'm so thankful that I can give. That's part of this attitude of thankfulness to God. Let me pray for it. Father God, I thank you that you're a loving God and that your son Jesus has modeled for us when he journeyed on this earth. Lord, a grateful spirit to you. If there's anyone that deserved to be really critical and really negative, it was Jesus. He was sinless. He was perfect, but rejected by man and woman condemned and crucified, and yet remain thankful to you, Father. Father, help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to realize that all that we are and all that we have, it's yours. And out of that, Lord, we worship, we serve you. May we come to you with a humble heart. May we put aside the complaints of the other nine. May we come to you like the one and worship you, broken for mending by your powerful hand of the deep needs of our heart. Thank you, Father, as we give the privilege to do so out of whatever you've blessed us with. It's a privilege that we can serve you in this way. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.